Hello and welcome to the Brain Care Podcast, a practical and impactful series of snappy episodes on how to optimize your mental health and performance so you can reach your full potential. My name is Dan Murray-Serta, and I'm the co-founder at Heights. We make smart supplements and clever content with the world's leading experts to help you take care of your brain so it can take care of you. Scott Anderson is back on Brain Care, and this time he's going to be telling us all about the difference between prebiotics and probiotics. Now, if you don't know who he is already, then you should go back and listen to the last episode, but you can also check out his brilliant book, The Psychobiotic Revolution. So, Scott, thank you for joining us once again. I want to start by just redefining what is a probiotic and what is a prebiotic. Probiotics are bacteria that are good for your health. And it turns out that we need these bacteria. We've forever have thought that we were at war with bacteria. And when we first discovered bacteria, we decided that we would just kill them all. And so we set out to do that. Uh, we've been working on killing bacteria for a long time. And, the, and some of that is a good thing and some of that is a bad thing. Antibiotics have arguably saved billions of people's lives but they're broad spectrum and they kill all the bacteria. And it wasn't until about 20, 30 years ago that we started to realize seriously that some of these bacteria were actually beneficial. And how is that that they're beneficial? Well, it turns out that the world is covered with bacteria. It's, they're everywhere. And so in order to fight off those bacteria, we've recruited our own set of what, what are called commensal bacteria or beneficial bacteria. Um, and these bacteria are living in our guts. We feed them a movable feast that is delightful for them if we do it right. And then they take care of us by fighting off the pathogens that are the nastier bacteria that are out there. And those pathogens are coming in to actually eat your gut lining. And when they do, they can cause a leaky gut. And that causes bacteria and toxins to leak into your system. And that in turn can lead to almost every chronic disease known to man. So what we have found is that the leaky gut is pretty much at the root of most of our problems. So having our own commensals, our own commensal, by the way, means it's just sitting down at the table together with somebody. And so we are eating the same foods. We're all sitting down together. Our bacteria are helping us to fight the pathogens by starving them, by stabbing them, by killing them, by outcompeting them. And that's a really important role for our gut bacteria. Without it, we would not last for a day. Prebiotics, on the other hand, and it sounds way too similar, we probably should have come up with a better name than that. Prebiotics are the, those uh, foods that feed the gut bacteria. And those are foods that we cannot digest ourselves. Turns out it's your bacteria that will help to get and convert fiber, convert it into butyric acid and other short chain fatty acids that are full of energy. So it, it's a good trick. The microbes in your gut can convert this pretty much useless stuff and it can convert it into something very useful to us. That has a kind of a back, not necessarily a completely salutary environment because what you end up with is in the modern day that you've got a gut bacteria that is trying to get every last little ounce of energy out of the food that you eat. That was perfect back in the days when we were in the savannah. Today, when the food is so plentiful, it may be backfiring on us. 
So there are some issues there in terms of, of how do we get the right bacteria and how do we get the right food for that bacteria. And so those are the two things. Probiotics are the bacteria and prebiotics are the food for that bacteria. So before we get into the idea of, of supplements, you know, what are some foods that are examples of prebiotics and probiotics that you'd recommend? There, it actually turns out that it's not necessarily just the food, but also the preparation. For instance, uh, potatoes, if they're raw, are full of fiber. But once you cook them, the fiber gets converted to starch, and that will be absorbed immediately by your small intestines and will be converted into sugars and fats. If you don't cook the potato, or even if you let the potato cool down, for instance, potato salad is probably better for you than a hot baked potato, then you will get more of this resistant starch. And resistant starch turns out to be a lot like a, it, it is a kind of a prebiotic. So some of the foods that are really good for you that are, that, that are high in fiber include broccoli and asparagus. Uh, fortunately, there are some good foods in there that are savory, like onions and garlic. Artichokes, including Jerusalem artichokes, which most people are really not familiar with, but you might want to, are not really artichokes. They're a tuber that is actually a kind of a sunflower, but it is chock full. Almost 60% of it is fiber. So these are foods that you can take. Now, I've got to warn you right off the bat that some of these foods, the fiber is feeding the bacteria. The bacteria is loving it, and it's producing these fatty acids that are good for you, but it's also producing gas. And so there may be some gas involved with some of these foods. And some, to some people, that's bad. If you start eating some of those foods that are uh, fibrous, you might end up with some more gas than you're used to. So start slow. But over time, you can build up and that gassiness actually goes away. That's what the, the Mexicans have always told me is that how do you deal with the gas of, uh, of, of eating beans? And they say, you just eat more beans. So we'll hope that that's, we hope that that's true. I found that that's true in my own case. I found that, that it started out gassy. And in fact, sometimes it was, uh, there was a bloated feeling and you didn't, and it was uncomfortable. Um, I cut back to about half a dose on some of my prebiotics and then slowly ramped up. Everything came out great. Got it. So it's like a trade-off between whether you can be in the company of friends occasionally or have better mental health and live longer. That's right. We like to say that uh, farts are funny. Diabetes is not. You heard it here first. <laughs> it is a very natural thing. Okay. So then let's, let's obviously like some of the food. So what's your opinion on probiotic and prebiotic supplements then? I've looked at, uh, when I writing my book, The Psychobiotic Revolution, I started to look at all the prebiotics and probiotics that were out there. My editor was very interested in having our readers take the book to the store so they could figure out which probiotics to buy. And I told her I wasn't going to probably do that. I We really encourage, in the book, we encourage that you try and alter your diet first um, and try and bring yourself up that way. But there are definitely going to be times when those things can be helpful is in terms of psychobiotics, which are a kind of probiotic that actually improve your mood, 
those are very specific and nothing like that exists on the market right now. So you cannot really go out and buy that. What you're buying when you buy a probiotic is you're buying something that was basically easy to make. It was something that was a leftover from brewing or from making yogurt or something like that. So these are things that are, are useful. They're not bad. They can do some uh, good going through your system, but they're not going to colonize your gut because they're not meant for the gut. That's not where they came from. That's not where they're going. And it turns out that very closely related species, closely related strains of bacteria can act completely differently. And so we're looking at specific uh, bacteria that are not just down to the species, but down to specific strains that have been developed are not in general available to the public yet. When we start to see some of that, then all bets are off and it's going to be time to start looking at these again. But in the meantime, probiotics can have some good effect on you and your mileage may vary. Everybody needs to try them first to see if there's something that's going to work. And some people swear by them. I just found when in my own experimentation that I was not getting any joy. It just wasn't really working for me. So then I moved on to prebiotics and the prebiotics are these, these complex sugars that feed the bacteria. I went through several of those too, and just, I got a lot of gas, I got a lot of issues, but I didn't get any comfort until I finally hit upon galacto-oligosaccharide. Galacto galactose is a kind of a sugar, and so galacto-oligosaccharide is a group of, a chain of these galactose sugars. That changed my life overnight. And so um, you need to try lots of different things because everybody's different. And take notes. It's going to take a few days, maybe even a week for some of these things to work. So that's why you have to kind of take notes. It's really hard to do this just based upon your memory of, when, of what you're taking and when you're taking it. There will be soon uh, better... Uh, symbiotics, which is a combination of probiotics and prebiotics. And that's when we'll start to see some real action, I think, in terms of uh, real mood elevators and, and things that are going to start to have a, a really big impact on your brain. I guess um, listening to you speak, though, made me wonder, you know, is this only really relevant for people who are sick dealing with a problem and they're trying to measure things? Like, what about um, like people that just want a healthy gut and, you know, they're into wellness, then, you know, there's not necessarily something to track so much. What do you advise for those people? It can be hard to track this because you have to know in the first place that you've got a problem and the, the gut is a hidden organ. It's down there. It's talking to the brain, but it's not talking in a way that you can understand it very well. So when you get food poisoning, you'll get a very strong signal and you will be starting to look for a bathroom right away. You'll have anxiety at the wazoo. And so that's something where the communication is very clear. In general, however, it is not. So if you are in perfect health, if you don't have any joint problems or anything like that, you can probably be assured that you're doing the right thing or that you're just young and it hasn't caught up with you yet. Um, because this is generally what happens is as you're younger, you can put up with a lot more damage to your body and slough it off. Your immune system is still very strong. You're still building new T cells, things that are that are going to change as you get older, though. And so those are things that you need to start looking at. In general, if you're blessed by youth, you may not have to worry about this. However, we see a lot of kids these days who are very concerned about being in their top shape in, in, in terms of 
their uh, peak cognitive abilities. They're competing with lots of people in the job force there, or they're just playing games and they want to be able to be good on their game. They want to be focused and they want to have good reflexes. And those are reasons actually for some people to be taking some of these prebiotics and probiotics because they'll bring you to your optimal health. And that's the key thing on all of this. It, it is not necessarily for people who are sick. It's also for all of us who are eating a Western diet and may need some help in that regard. Thank you. Okay, final question for you. What 10 to 12 foods, if you could run through like a bunch of foods that you think that we need to make sure that we're incorporating in our diet, what would you think about? There's a couple of ways to look at this. One is what not to eat, and the other is what to eat. The Mediterranean diet is a great thing to look at in terms of all of the things that they've got. First of all, they've got a great diversity of foods in the Mediterranean diet. So it's not just uh, meat and potatoes. Um, they're eating fish, they're eating nuts, they're eating uh, lots and lots of greens, they're eating salads all the time. Lots and lots of vegetables. And the vegetables that are at the top of the list include things like broccoli, which is high in fiber, asparagus is high in fiber, garlic, ginger. A lot of these plants are full of fiber. Uh, you won't find any fiber at all in meat, so don't look there. The fiber that you want is going to be in some of those vegetables. I outlined some of these in my book. And the other thing, that another class, a category of, of things that is starting to be better understood is something called polyphenols. And polyphenols are basically plant uh, chemicals that are indicated when you look at a plant are indicated by the color of the plant. So if it's dark green or if it's red or if it's orange, those are indications of polyphenols. And in fact, it even helps you to distinguish parts of a plant. So for instance, the uh, skin of an apple is red from anthocyanins, and that's better than the core of the apple itself, which is doesn't have the color. So those are kind of interesting visual clues to help you go to the store and say, oh, look at that purple thing. I'll, I'll buy one of those and start trying new vegetables. People are get stuck in their ways really easily. And especially with vegetables, there are a lot of people who just don't eat vegetables and they're missing out because they need to be prepared properly. And if they are, they're delicious and they're very good for you. So you kind of have to maybe get over some of your early childhood problems. We're going to grow up and we're going to do the right thing now. As adults, it's kind of interesting to find out that bacteria can affect your cravings. So you may not really uh, remember when you decided to fall in love with Krispy Kreme donuts, but your gut does. And your gut is probably why you have that craving. So it, it can be hard to overcome this, this problem because your, your bacteria are there telling you, no, no, I don't want broccoli, I want a candy bar. You are really in charge. It's not your bacteria. They're going to be giving you these signs all the time. But if you start eating broccoli or if you start eating Brussels sprouts, the good bacteria will start to grow. They'll bloom in your gut and then they will want more of that. And you will be kicking out the bacteria that are causing you uh, IBS and IBD and all sorts of other damaging things that come from bad bacteria. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brain Care Podcast. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. And follow us at Your Heights on Instagram and Twitter for daily doses of brain care. Did you know Heights started as a newsletter that I've written every week for years? 
I'm still doing it, and I'd love it to reach your inbox too. So, for weekly science-backed emails on the best ways to take care of your most important organ all in under three minutes, sign up at yourheights.com forward slash Sundays. See you next week. Thank you.